Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Coast to Coast Combat Hour. I'm your host, Matthew Hawkins, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Carbajal. Ed, uh, one more week down, but a week of uh, full of action. Uh, how's it treating you out there? Pretty good. Weather's crazy, but other than that, I mean, it was nice to have, uh, what do we have, uh, three events in eight days or some shit like that? Yeah, uh, barbershops still aren't open on the East Coast, I take it? <laughs> of course not. Look at this. <laughs> I'm about to I'm about to just take it all off. <laughs> nice. I'm trying to like I'm trying to give it my scalp its last hurrah cuz I know I'm thinning up top for whatever, but I'm like, all right, let's let it let's let it, you know, I want to see how I want to see pretty much how the ladies react to it once we get back to normal. <laughs> Because I've been told the buzz cut's too intimidating, so I'm like, all right. So I've ha- I've had a few girls say you should grow it out, you should grow it out, and I've told them you don't really want that. So here it is, it's growing. <laughs> so it's growing out because we don't have a choice. So when I see chicks again, I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. And if they're like, eh, then I'll be like, yeah, it's all going. So that's where I'll leave it. At least you have a game plan better than mm-hmm. your uh, better than your governor out there, huh? Bird. <laughs> the worst person who the most nervous leader it ever <laughs> uh, nice well like you said yeah we had a, a a lot of action uh we managed to talk about ufc 249 uh last tuesday and then we uh we talked about what was to come uh which really kicked off on wednesday night with the ufc i guess jacksonville card the glover Teixeira versus Anthony Smith uh, main event. Uh, I mean, and then we jumped into Saturday night's event uh, as well. And throughout those, both of those cards, uh, I mean, lo- great fights. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time thinking of a week. I know that the UFC has had a past where they had, you know, we've talked about the fight weeks where there was two, three events and stuff like that. But I really can't think of a, of a group of events in such a short time where really every fight, I can't really think of being a disappointed about any fight. It seems like everything was, was violent and, and just everybody showed up to fight. Uh, I mean, there was some controversial decisions, um, which is nothing new, but uh, for a three fight span, or yeah. three event span, it, I can't really think of anything that compares to it, to be honest. No, you're, uh, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm kind of like, um, uh, I'm going to bring up the results from trying to figure out. Jacksonville. I'm just trying to get go backtrack a little here because I, uh, I'm I'm like in a blur. There's almost it was almost too many. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like almost too many events at once. But um, yeah, because uh, the 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 strange results didn't happen Wednesday. It was Saturday, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean the 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 quest the clo- the judging calls generally were were all on Saturday. But I mean. Uh, really the violence and everything completely kicked off on, on Wednesday. Uh, I mean, actually I'd say the violence kicked off basically with, with Ferguson and, and Gagey and then everybody just kind of rolled right into that. I mean, the first fight alone on, um, on the Wednesday night card, Chase Sherman made his return to the UFC. Uh, he had won a few yeah. fights fighting for Island fight. Uh, one of the events that, that uh, is shown on fight pass. And he actually had become the, the heavyweight champion of BKFC uh, I believe he was three and zero also in their organization. There we go. So uh, I mean, he came back against uh, UFC newcomer Ike Villanueva, and uh, I mean, just showed that he had really improved as a as a striker. I think due to probably a lot due to the BKFC thing, uh, where you have to be a little bit more precise in your strikes. You got to be a little. You got to be a little more careful. You, you although firefights are always fun to watch, and we like watching those brawls in the BKFC with the cuts and the and the knockouts and, and just the, the punishment your head can take or face can take uh, for bare knuckle shots. You got to be a little bit more, you got to pick and choose your shots a little bit more. And I, I feel like he really did that. Um, used his kicks well. And, uh, and he came out with a TKO finish uh, in the second round. I thought it was a good uh, performance for Sherman on his return. And uh, he's a fairly athletic heavyweight. So it, it's always going to be interesting to see how, how that unfolds. Um, 
really. And then, I mean, it, it, that was the first one. And then, you know, Brian Kelleher, although he missed weight, uh, followed up with a, with a TKO of his own in the second round. And it felt kind of like from that point on, uh, we were, we were going to start to see, uh, I mean, it just set the, just set the tone for an exciting night of fights. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, the left hook that he dropped Azure with, uh, that was definitely, <clears throat> excuse me. That was definitely, um, something I wasn't expecting. Usually when somebody misses weight, it's kind of, it's kind of, in my opinion, anyway, it's, it's weird to, to predict how they're going to do like, like, you know, is you wonder if they, if they tried so hard, are they going to be fatigued for their fight or, or, or were they just, you know, or maybe they didn't try that hard and they're going to be full of pep. Um, whatever the case was for, for Kelleher. I mean, the, that, the, the striking, I think if I'm remembering that fight, right. Again, because it was, it was crazy enough for nothing. Um, for folks that didn't know, I, I tried to put it out on Twitter because you know that was an e- that was the ESPN Plus uh, event, but like immediately after it was on e- regular ESPN. Like an hour after it was done live, you could have watched it on ESPN regular. So I recorded it and watched it the next day, so I was able to rewatch a lot of the f- <clears throat> a lot of those fights. But again, I don't know, man. I mean, I know we like MMA and stuff, but <laughs> it was definitely uh, it was definitely. Uh, I don't want to say overload, but I was kind of like in a blur after uh, by Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I I enjoyed it. I've been waiting for something in the yeah, midweek. I really enjoy the midweek cards. Um, yeah, that that kind of gives you something. I mean, don't get me wrong; there was a lot of action, and and but it, it was just it felt nice to have live sports get kicked off again. Um, you know, I, I think. Uh, as a jujitsu guy, you had to have locked, enjoyed the Tiago Moises uh, ankle lock on Michael Johnson after Michael Johnson had come out that first round looking like the the Michael Johnson that has, has defeated the Dustin Poiriers and the Tony Fergusons of the world. And then, uh, yeah, you know what's weird about that one? I saw that coming. You know, like it's weird the way he fell back and the way he cinched in. I was kind of like, oh, he's going for the ankle lock. And uh, I don't know if it's because Johnson was uh, the position he was. You know, because you know the it. You know, like you can armchair it, uh, armchair quarterback a lot of stuff when you're watching it at home. But uh, I mean, I just feel like I, I have to wonder how much of a factor with the different environment. I mean, I mean, I know a lot of these guys when they're coming up in the regionals and stuff. Maybe maybe the crowds weren't so loud or whatever. I know anyone that's been on the Ultimate Fighter doesn't mind a, a, a fanless arena or space to compete in, but. I don't know. I just wonder how much. I just wonder if they'll ever, because they're all competitors and fighters. Some may admit to it. Some may might not. But it just makes me wonder, like, if if everything going on outside of the event, how much of it was a distraction, not just for their camps, but right there that night of the fight. Because I know a lot. Of, a lot was being made of the noises folks could hear. You know, the shots, the corners, the commentary off to the side from from the whoever was calling the fights that night. I don't know. I just feel like um, maybe it was just weird for him. <clears throat> for Johnson or for Moises? For Johnson, because the straight ankle lock, I mean, like I said, I mean, when it happened, I was like, he's going to get straight ankle locked. And I don't know if it was kind of just like, oh, he's got it. I'm over this. Or, or you know what I mean? Like, because they were kind of against the fence, if I'm remembering that right, when uh, he fell back against it. And, um, I don't know if he he chose to try to hit him or he also fell back because that's usually a common reaction when when someone goes for a straight ankle lock and they get their legs up they push your body if you're if you're getting ankle locked I'm pushing your body away so that you can't reach up and you know fight my hands or hit me or any of that stuff but I don't know again it's it's uh he he'd answer that better than anybody but uh yeah I mean he up until I mean that the submission came seconds into the second round but the first mm-hmm. round Michael Johnson looked really good but um I mean I think yeah you don't you haven't seen a straight ankle lock in a long time uh, yeah. in the UFC so I guess that definitely could lead to belief that there was something else going on uh the next fight was probably the surprise for both of us cuz mm-hmm. I believe we both picked Felipe Lins uh Andre Arlovski although not the most exciting fight of the night uh does his thing and picks up a, another win over the newcomer. Um, disappointing fight for Linz. 
Uh, I think one thing we learned this, well, people won't learn it, but one thing that I've been trying to preach and, and usually falls on deaf ears is this whole heavyweight uh, glass chin thing. I, I've never been one to fall for that. I, I feel like, I mean, this fight alone, Arlovsky's now went to decision nine out of his last 10 fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then we'll get to the Saturday night main event, but uh, we're basically talking about two guys who are considered to have glass chins. And I just feel like uh, that's really an overblown situation when you got giants punching each other. I feel like everybody has a glass chin. Um, if your name is not Cabbage Carrera or, uh, you know, a, a handful of other guys who have managed to somehow have, you know, rock hard skulls, basically everybody in the heavyweight class has a glass chin. Uh, if you get caught with a punch by a six foot five, 200, you know, 55 pound guy. So mm-hmm. I, I think that that's been a little bit overblown, uh, with some tough runs, uh, for some of these guys during their career. Um, I don't know if it necessarily bodes, it bodes well for his brains, but, um, for the excitement of Arlovsky's fights, nine out of 10 to decision definitely doesn't necessarily, uh, I can't really think of many memorable fights in that run of his. Um, but, you know, like I said, saves his brain, picks up a win over the, the PFL champion who had come into mm-hmm. the UFC. I think Linz will bounce back. It probably was some of the UFC jitters um, that I believe are, is a real thing and it has been talked about by many of the people who fight. But, uh, you know, big win for Arlovsky. Uh, kind of keeps fending off. I kind of keep waiting for him to lose and then eventually getting cut and that setting up a fight with Fedor in, in Bellator. I've always kind of felt like that was – maybe a uh, fight, <laughs> fight that takes place in Russia and is kind of a farewell fight for both of the guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, that maybe it might be a stretch though. It could be, I don't know if, I don't, you know, but you know, we'll see what happens with this. You wonder where a lot of these older fighters, not so much Arlovsky coming off the fight, but guys like Fedor and stuff with this delay and the, in with the COVID thing, uh, if some of these guys will ever really see come back. So um, big win for Arlovsky though. Uh, move up the card. Ricky Simon picked up a uh, decision win over Ray Borg. Uh, good close fight, split decision. Uh, I'm not really sure why it was split. If I remember that one had some crazy scores. I feel like that might have had a 30-27 going each way. Um, but I could be confusing that with another fight. Um, Drew Dober continues his run. Uh, coming off a knockout win at UFC 246. He follows that up with a second knockout win as an underdog to Alexander Hernandez, um, a fight. I don't think a lot of, I mean, obviously the gamblers didn't see it going down, but, uh, Dober moves his record. What does that say? To 25 and nine now. And, uh, 23 and nine. Um, and, and really getting close to the rankings now, uh, after a couple good knockout wins in a row. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it's one of those things where, um, with uh with him especially um because i actually i I forget who i picked when i when we talked about it was this one of the fights we talked about no i'm confused no we we pretty much did this to the top two you did those picks for your for your other yeah i I know but i'm I'm confusing the i'm actually confusing it with the other like you like you said about the weird judging uh for the upcoming card but yeah no definitely a, a great uh i feel like this card was probably better than saturday's card in all honesty um, some of these fights, uh, some of these fights, like you said, with the F- Philippe Lenz and Arlovsky, um, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it was between Wednesday and Saturday, a lot of the underdogs were, were winning, um, Saturday, Saturday kind of, I keep doing these horrible parlays <laughs> where, you know, it's like uh, like several fights, and the one the one messes it up for everybody else. But um, again, that's probably because I'm not used to this many events in a row. But, well, I, um, I know I, I think for the co-main and for the main event, I went two and zero, and I think you believe you went zero and two. I picked yeah. Rothwell to win. I thought he would uh, do a better job, but he uh, he took a split decision for us uh, against uh, Saint Prue. Uh, close fight. Uh, really close flight fight could have, could have really went either way. I would have had no problem with the judges going the other way, mm-hmm. uh, but Rothwell sneaks out. And then really in the, in the, in the, in the surprise, although I picked Glover to win and uh, God, I thought I was going to hit it right. Cause I said, uh, 
I said submission, choke submission in the fourth round, mm-hmm. and he was flirting with it. I mean, that whole round, he was flirting with it. Uh, after coming out in the beginning, Anthony Smith uh, had the momentum, was was really putting it on Glover, and then about halfway through the second round, early in the third round, uh, Teixeira dropped him, and uh, from that point on, it became a, uh, a beating uh, that probably falls in the top five worst beatings in, in UFC history. Uh, just for nonstop barrage and mm-hmm. uh, beating that, that went uh, <clears throat> a minute or so uh, into the fifth round. Uh, so <clears throat> Smith took, you know, two and a half rounds of just nonstop punishment from Glover. Uh, like I said, Glover surprised <laughs> a lot of the, the big people. Yeah. Uh, so, but my thing was like early in the, I, like, I, I just, I'm just, I mean, I I didn't listen to. I know he. I, I forget who he spoke. He must have spoke to Helwani or somebody after the fight, but, um, or tweeted something. Or I know he did. I uh, I'm not sure if he's done any interviews recently. Um, Anthony Smith. But one of the things I, I was just kind of like, I I know on Twitter I was saying like, what well, something happened. Like I don't know what happened that they seemed to be doing well, and then and then he wasn't. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if it was gas or. Or maybe uh, uh, from what I saw, I thought Teixeira was kind of doing um, what Rocky did to Clubber Lang when he fought him again in Rocky Three. Like he was making him work, and then he was. It seemed like Teixeira was just kind of rolling off punches until he started firing back, and then it's that's when it seemed like Smith had a problem with it, and everyone knows about the teeth and all that stuff. And so I don't know. I mean. You know, he defended his corner and all that. Um, Herzog, I know the referee, uh, Jason Herzog, was blaming himself for the way things went. But, I mean, you know, uh, I, it's, it's neither here nor there. I mean, you know, I think every fight is different. Every situation is different. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, Teixeira definitely reminded us, all of us, like as many fighters tend to do, you know, don't count them out. Yeah, I mean, I think Smith just came out. Uh, he was throwing a lot early. I think it was a combination of somewhat gassing and then just getting hit hard. Um, Glover's been known to be a heavy striker. Um, he's also a real heavy grappler. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not the you know maybe not the greatest submission artist of all time, but he's real heavy. Uh, when he gets on top of you, uh, he he controls the, his opponents. Uh, better than than i would say a huge majority of the the fighters out there he's also able to land strikes and do submission holds without losing his um without losing position so once he got on top and really started raining stuff down i mean there were several opportunities where the fight could have been stopped but smith continually moved uh the teeth thing is a little bit uh grotesque in a way i mean you know we don't want to we don't want to see fighters spitting teeth out and then picking them up and no. <laughs> i mean that's that's a that's a little bit of another level um i you know herzog uh taking blame for it i i i guess my issue with that um first of all i think jason herzog's one of the best referees in yeah, MMA. Yeah. Um, in fact if put a gun to my head i might say he's the best i've been saying it for a long time um, those that he's from the San Diego area. So I've been watching him do regionals. Um, he was in a lot of, did a lot of Bellator shows coming up. And then uh, once he got into the, you know, started doing a lot of the UFC events, I think, um, I mean, I, I'd easily say he's one of the top three, like I said, if not the best, uh, I just hope that he doesn't change his refereeing style based off of the fan reaction, because the fan reaction on Twitter is always going to give you a skewed view of, of how things are. Um, his job is to protect the fighters and maybe he feels like he left it go a little farther, but let's not fool ourselves and say that if he stops that fight around earlier, that the opposite is being said on Twitter. Uh, at that point, mm-hmm. he's going to be getting everybody firing at him saying he's a terrible ref. He stopped the fight too early. Um, he didn't let a, a savage fighter like Anthony Smith have a chance for a comeback. And I mean, we're just going to hear that. So, so going by the, the Twitter reaction would be something that I would recommend that he doesn't do. Um, I think he just needs to talk to other referees and if they feel like there was stuff he missed, then, then you learn from it. But uh, in general, I, I hope he continues refing fights the way that he's done it for the last decade and, uh, and goes from there. As far as uh, I, I mean, I put the onus and the blame on, on Smith's corner. 
Uh, I know he said he'd fire his cornerman for throwing in the towel and stuff, but I, you know, if, if you care about Anthony Smith and that's your job going in there, then I would say, fire me, dude. I'm not going to watch you pull your teeth out of your face. I'm not going to watch you die in the cage because one day somebody is going to die. I mean, yeah, if we're we being straight that. up, yeah. but it's going to happen. It, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to happen. One day someone will die from a beating that they take in the cage and, and then we'll have real, you know, and I don't want it to, ha- it has happened in other organizations. It has happened, nothing big and, and or nothing, nothing in the bigger organization. So it's kind of flown under the radar, but eventually it's going to happen. Uh, it, it's just, I think it's just a matter of fact. So I, I think you still got to, as a corner man, I mean, if I'm cornering you uh, just being my friend and I'm seeing, you know, nobody thought he could come back and win that fight. He's turtled up for, nine, 10 minutes in a row, just taking nonstop punches and spitting out blood and telling his corner, his teeth are falling out. When a dude tells you his teeth he are falling hand, out, he handed hers on his teeth. I yeah. know, but before they fell out and he did that, he was t- he told his corner in between rounds that his f- teeth were coming out. So once he's telling you that, and he's kind of turning away when you're asking if he's okay. And I, I mean, you got to look into the dude's eyes and just go, man, it's just not meant to be. Yeah, that that uh, should have been. So I mean, like, like if you're hand, t- putting teeth in your pocket from and the guy handed it to you, maybe that's a cue to be like, I, I guess we should maybe, maybe wave this one off. You know, and and I understand the pressure put on it. I don't recall a doctor going into the cage. Uh, maybe it just slipped my mind, but I don't. I, I don't. Did a doctor ever go in there and kind of do a you know, neurological test on the dude and kind of go, Hey, you know, how many fingers am I holding up? And not that I, I, not that I remember, but I mean, uh, I don't know if it's uh you'd have to check the rules. If it's the discretion of the ref to call a doctor in. I, I, I it is. You're, you're correct about that. I don't know if you'd have to, I, in between rounds, I think the doctor could do it, but obviously once that one minute ends mm-hmm. and, and he needed a lot of uh, attention from, from Cutman and, and everything else going on at that point. But, you know, I, uh, I was happy to see the win for Glover. Uh, tough guy. I'd like to see somehow him him make one more run at a, at a title shot, uh, just because it's kind of the the underdog story. And uh, and and anybody that really followed his career, I mean, he was one of those guys where you saw had like a he was like thirteen or fourteen and zero, uh, kind of on the worldwide circuit. Uh, and he knew he trained under uh, Hackleman and and with Liddell and stuff. Um, so he was kind of one of those mis- mysterious guys. Uh, when he first came into the UFC that, that had a, a great record at a time when being 13 or 14 and 0 uh, was a rarity. So I'd like to see it. Um, he's up there in age. Uh, he's obviously going to get one more huge fight. And if he wins that, then at some point you're going to have to give him another shot. I believe this is four wins in a row uh, in, in not the deepest division in the UFC, but certainly a, a fairly top heavy division. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. He didn't take a ton of punishment, it doesn't seem, but he also went for, you know, he fought for 21 minutes or so. So obviously there's some, there's wear and tear involved in that, but a uh, big win for him. Uh, Anthony Smith's going to take some time to recover from this. I, you know, I always say there, you know, we talked about it, uh, I think with Ferguson, and I think this is the same kind of situation, you know, uh, you got to bounce back and, and, but um, how they bounce back is, is different for all these fighters and, uh, you know, I mean, Smith has 15 career losses, so I'm sure this isn't the first time uh, he's taken a loss where he, he he was on the wrong end of a of a pretty good uh, beating. But uh, you know, he's got 48 career fights now. It's it's got to start to catch up at some point. And uh, he's a good dude, so I hope that uh, I hope his team in his corner, although can't maybe publicly say it, does a does a job of protecting him right now, and they don't do something stupid like try to sign him to fight. You know some other big puncher right now that, that yeah to, to try to get him quickly back on the road back i think he's i think he's got to recover here for a little bit and uh reassess i mean what sucks is that he just came back off of the hand injury he had his hand healing and stuff and you know like i said i, I he came out strong I, I thought it was a good outing for him but i mean you know when you listen to the comments after where he was not taking any blame away from the referee or 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 taking blame, you know, blaming the ref or the, or his corner or anything like that. You know, he was putting it all on himself. I mean, that that's why they call him Lionheart. So I guess that's where, uh, I guess that's where, where we leave that event. But, uh, and then, uh, the following Saturday, which was the ESPN, uh, UFC on ESPN eight. Is that right? It's the eighth one. 
Oh, I don't know what I just I just say it's UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Harris. I don't even know the numbers. Uh, I think it's eight, but yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, that one uh, another crazy night. Uh, like you said, I don't think it. I think Wednesday night was the the more wild card, but uh, you know, skipping the first couple fights where we saw a couple early submissions, uh, the the Nate Landewehr. And uh, Darren Elkins' fight is probably where we start off with our question or our arguably questionable judging, um, but also uh, extreme violence. Uh, fight number three. Um, Landowier, the the one of the a former M1 champion, uh, comes in the UFC, mm-hmm. loses his debut, and then he fights Darren Elkins, who is uh, is known for his. <laughs> you know, known for his his heart and his uh, determination, uh, and and as well as being able to take a beating, um, the damage. <laughs> you know, uh, he took he took a lot of damage. Uh, yeah. He was a bloody mess. I mean, he was as bloody as you've ever seen a fighter in the UFC. Um, well, what, what was funny is that that every I had done like a, a live stream thing afterward and folks that were tuning in later were like, where did all that blood come from? And you just needed to check the Twitter feed for the event and to see that it was from this fight. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, uh, as the event started off, you figured that that would happen. Uh, Elkins was strong round one. I felt he won round one round two. He got mauled. Uh, that's when a lot of the, the heavier blood and everything started happening. Uh, round three, he got hit a lot too, but he kept firing back. I, uh, I don't have a problem with the decision, but if I was judging the fight, I actually would have given it to Elkins. I thought he won mm-hmm. the first round and the third round. I thought the third round he handed, landed the heavier shots. Uh, I think this was a clear fight where, while a close fight, uh, I think the deciding factor was just the amount of blood uh, influencing the judges. and the Yeah, the damage. They took. I mean, you, you might have a point with that. The only, the, my question is, do you, do you think any of uh, Nate's um, antics had anything to do with the judging with the yelling and the woo and the, you know, hitting himself I, in the chest, in the face. You I, know don't, what I, mean? I don't know what, I don't know what the judging. Cause the judging was weird that night is what, what I'm getting at. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of close fights. Uh, yeah. uh, the, some of it, some of the judging was weird as far as some of the scores, but in general, mm-hmm. the fights were, were real close and competitive. I, yeah. I don't know. I have always said, and I've always lived by the idea that the fans influence the judges based mm-hmm. off of cheering and and i gotta throw that out the window now because there's no fans <laughs> yeah. um but you know like i said i i would have scored the fight for elkins i but it was a close enough fight where i don't consider it a robbery at all uh i just think that it was you know you you see stuff different at live events both of us have sat close at live events and uh, you score stuff different the sounds are different mm-hmm. um and those are events with crowds um hearing the punches land, I, I now, when you hear them as loud as they are, you know, maybe that changes the way you, you judge, maybe a punch that splits a guy's head wide open, you know, sounds a whole lot different than a guy just landing a, a clean overhand, right. You know, so, uh, we'll have to see how this unfolds. I know a lot of people were disappointed, not so much in that fight. That was one of the, the less talked about decisions, but, um, a really close fight, one that uh, I somewhat disagreed with, um, to, to really kind of get the, the ball rolling with the judges here. Uh, the uh, let's see the next fight of real notice. Kevin Holland picked up a big win over Anthony Hernandez. I think. Uh, oh yeah. But wait, before we get into that, I just wanted to, there was a really cool, the first fight, I believe it was Rodrigo Nascimento when he got his win. Um, he called out uh, the previous event winner and uh, Chase Sherman right because they're heavyweights is this the right guy I'm yeah looking at? yeah and um i mean i i just thought that was a, a great call out there kind of like at the same level and uh you know what i mean like i just thought it was uh i thought it was definitely a, uh I, I wouldn't mind seeing that fight but um yeah Kev, you're talking about kevin holland and anthony hernandez um that's the guy that dana white calls big mouth so <laughs> i was uh i don't know why maybe it's because of that i i picked against him like i didn't see him winning and then he went out and got the the win that he got yeah quick win uh yeah. <laughs> a big knee to the body and 
uh, did his thing. He's had some good fights. I mean, when I think of Kevin Holland, for me, it's the fight he had with Tiago Santos, uh, where he was, he, he was kind of a late notice and, uh, he came and fought the much bigger, heavier guy and, uh, ended up going to a decision and, and putting on a good, a good, strong performance, even in a losing effort. So yeah, I think yeah. Holland's a le- legit real deal. Um, and I mean, obviously picking up a, a win in a minute 40, uh, helps especially in a fight i believe you you may have even been the underdog in this fight so a uh, mm-hmm. good fight but that uh got the ball rolling again uh miguel Baez picks up a knockout win over matt brown in a crazy fight uh matt brown had his moments they dropped each other uh brown seemed to be leaving his chin open a little bit more than i remember i mean i know he's never been afraid to take a shot uh but against a young undefeated fighter um you know, it, it, it caught up with him and he, he eventually took one too many and uh, the ref was forced to stop the fight. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it was a case of him again. Um, makes me think of the, the Smith fight with Teixeira. I don't know if it was the case, uh, the case of him doing too much too early and uh, having it, you know, have an effect later on because uh, that, that, uh, that first round, it looked like, like Brown was really taking it to him and then something happened towards the end where, where it just changed. And then obviously, you know, with the, with the way it turned out, I, I, again, he'd, he'd tell you better than, than, than I could, but it was definitely one of those fights that it, I thought it was going one way until it, until it wasn't. Yeah. And I, I, I think you learned a little bit about bias there being able to, to fight off some, uh, Maniac, you know, stuff could not going his <laughs> way. I mean, coming yeah. in at eight, eight and no, probably had a pretty easy, you know, probably had it pretty easy going getting to that record. Usually, uh, you know, early in your career, you're, you're not fighting the, the toughest guys in the world to make it to where you know to get to that record, but um, he proved that he's worthy of an undefeated record. And, and uh, with the you know, with the issues that Matt Brown gave him, he was able to fight through it and uh, showed a good chin and uh, you know, able to keep his aware with all and, and pull it out so yeah that was big uh next fight was one that uh got fans chattering on twitter about decisions and judges uh yadong song picked up the win moves to 16 and 4 in a decision win over marlon vera uh who fell to 17 and 6 vera was on a huge run coming in uh song still undefeated in the ufc um you know this was one where again uh close fight yeah, uh, I I didn't I don't you know a lot of people are screaming Vera specifically is uh, on social media making a huge stink about it. Uh, I I didn't see it that way. I saw it as a close fight that mm-hmm. um, I have no problem with how the judges who 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 got the win. I, I think it was one where uh, you know a lot of these fights. I wish we'd get draws. I just feel like that that's what a draw is for. Um, in a fight that's so close where half of the world's going, Hey, you got robbed. The other half's going, no, it's the right call. I wish we would see more draws in these situations, but, uh, you know, I can't complain I about mean, it. The thing you is, know. I mean, you, yeah, you you could look at the, at, at what's supposed to be judged, but it, it's still, it's still the perception of an individual. And when you have more than one individual seeing things, not this, you know, differently or not the same way. Um, that's when you get, uh, things like that that happen i watched that fight twice actually because i recorded them since it was on regular tv old man tv uh, and i was like so i rewatched it on sunday and because I, I was like hmm so like because i was trying to see you know watching vera's like you said he's vocal on social but then i was kind of like okay if you when you watch it again, there there are points maybe around the the, the second and third round uh, where uh, Yadong Song Yadong, <laughs> I don't mean to laugh when I say his name, but I, I was laughing on Saturday when I was saying it. Um, it. It just seems like there was points where he was, I mean, he was doing it to be evasive and not take damage. But you know, we've seen in the past when when fighters move backward. Uh, it scores against them, so I'm wondering if that had anything to do with with Vera's argument and the folks that think that he won or or see the argument. You know what I mean? So I mean that that's just my opinion. But like I said, I watched it twice because I I, I definitely have an interest in in uh, 
song <laughs> and um yeah I'm, I'm definitely just i feel like i feel like we're gonna see more of him in these types of like uh either he's gonna get these great finishes or fight of the night type of situations yeah i mean i just i felt like it was just a close fight where whoever yeah. the losing side is is gonna have have issues with it and vera was just more a little bit more vocal than uh than some of your average fighters uh Christoph Jokov, uh, Jutko, uh, picked up a win over Eric Anders. Uh, another fight where, you know, Jutko keeps moving up the ranks. Uh, it's a few mm-hmm. wins in a row now. Eric Anders, in a sense, continues to kind of disappoint. Uh, you, you, it just feels like there's so much more pr- uh, potential there. Uh, I feel like he needs to kind of really turn it up and, uh, do you, do you think of, it's a weight issue, like like of where he fights? Like like is he too big to be heavier, or or is this too much for him to be active and be at this weight class because of how what he whatever he walks around at? That's just kind of an observation I've noticed in his last few fights. No, I just think he kind of has a grinding style, and I think mm-hmm. that that you know doesn't necessarily win the judges over. Um, and you know, it's another close decision, but I just I think that. You know, I feel like at this point he kind of needs to just drop his chin and, you know, try to use his athleticism, athleticism to put some fools on their asses. Uh, otherwise, I feel like he's going to, you know, look back and you're just going to go, man, there was a lot of opportunity, but you, you chose to kind of grind a dude up against the cage mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to step back and just kind of go for it. And it's easier for me to say I'm not the one who has to worry about a counter strike, but um I just feel like that 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 he's he's starting to wind down a little bit here, and uh, I'm wondering how many more opportunities he's going to get mm. uh, because some of his fights haven't been extremely exciting. But you just feel like he's the, the explosiveness is there, and um, one of these days he's really going to have to kind of just reach in and, and go for that. I feel like if he's going to uh, advance much more in his career. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, but. Uh... I don't know. I'm just wondering if uh, it, if it's a cardio issue or a weight issue or maybe a combination of the both. That, like you said, we saw him coming up for a little bit, and then now he's having these uh, he's having these odd fights. Uh, I don't want to say he's fighting bad because you know these guys put a lot into their craft as martial artists, but that's uh, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, he had won two fights in a row coming into this one. Um, mm-hmm. But I know I didn't know the fight before. I feel like was a questionable. He won a split decision. I feel like it was a questionable fight, one where I didn't think he necessarily won. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, he's going to get another opportunity, but I feel like he's going to have to change some things if he's going to really ever become a, a contender at, at no matter what weight class he tries to compete at. Uh, the next fight on the card: Dan Ige, uh, Edson Barboza. This was the one fight that I totally disagreed with the judges. Uh, I know it was a close fight. I, I've heard people reason why they thought each fighter won. Um, I just watched the fight, and I, I just I, – I I was somewhat shocked. I thought Barboza actually I, – I thought he won. Um, in a three-round fight, 10-9 scoring, it's it's not always mm-hmm. that cut and dry, but I just – I felt like as somebody watching a fight, I watched one man uh, beat up the other man and, and lose a decision. It was a great fight too. Yeah, it was a great. It was. I agree, man. It was a great fight. But, um, I mean, if you if we're gonna obviously with the with the co-main event, talking about weird judging. I mean, that was. Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe maybe uh, we'd have to find out. I'm sure it's it's somewhere, like maybe at MMA judging or what what one of those sites where we could see who who the judges were, or maybe if were they burnt out from doing three events in a row that they just were start like like toss flipping quarters in the, on the side of the uh, cage. Well, like, see, I don't, I didn't disagree with them that the next decision, the Claudia Gadelia uh, mm-hmm. and Angela Hill. I, I mean, obviously I, I'm a, I'm a Gadelia fan. I always have been. So I was rooting for her. So there was a bias somewhat there, but she won, she won the striking numbers. I mean, she landed more power shots, she yeah. more punches. She got takedown. I mean, the numbers were on her side. Um, she clearly won the first round, clearly lost the second round. Third round was very, very close. I just felt like she landed the bigger shots. Um, I'm a fan of Angela Hill also. I mean, I, 
I actually thought that she was fighter of the year a couple of years back when she made her run in Invicta and defended her belt. I mean, she went like four and zero in a year and knocked everybody out and, and then, and then beat Souza in a crazy fight to get, to get the championship. So, I mean, I've been a fan of both these ladies, but I, I don't, I mean, truth be told, I could have lived with a draw again. I feel like some mm-hmm. of these fights just, somebody doesn't necessarily deserve to win and somebody doesn't necessarily deserve to lose. They both fought well. I think the blood and the cut, uh, Gadelia, much like Elkins, um, bleeds in her fights. She mm-hmm. always has, she always will. And I, I feel like that, that, uh, influences people's things and it should, uh, there is a point when, when, uh, when damage should be accounted for. Um, but I feel like, the, the, you know, it was just a matter of a couple punches in the second round that did that damage. And then you kind of live with it for the next round. And uh, maybe a fighter is kind of given a little bit more credit when she throws a punch and there's some blood splattering, but it's just from a cut from a, a strike that happened, you know, eight minutes earlier in the fight. And it wasn't necessarily a crazy punch. I mean, Hill's not necessarily known for her power. She, she uses her, her speed and her uh, technique to, to kind of, you know, pick her shots and and do her damage i just didn't have a problem with the decision and hill's another one that got real loud on social media so i feel like uh that's where it's kind of being polarized and a lot and it kind of being blown up a little bit um but you know i don't think either lady lost any ground in the fight uh, no it was definitely a tough fight but i mean i i don't know i'm maybe i was leaning towards angela hill and and not for nothing I'm also, you know, being a jiu-jitsu guy, of course, I'm a fan of Claudia Godella. Um, you know, she's got, she actually has got, I think she's got a gym out here in South Jersey. Um, so she's definitely, uh, you know, she's definitely got uh, love from me. But, you know, if when she got dropped, I kind of saw the fight going um, Hill's way a little bit. But like, but the thing is, you know what? Uh, I don't know why I, this is my fault, actually. Because uh, was it? I think it was at two forty nine that they didn't have. They weren't able to get get us the numbers for significant strikes and stuff like that because of obviously there were you know half capacity operate operational um, for the events and the way that they were doing them. And I guess they had those for later events. So maybe I stopped when I heard that the first time. I wasn't paying attention to it, but then I remember the screen coming up. Obviously, with this event, now that you mention it. And I kind of just, in my own mind, I kind of just didn't pay attention. So that's my fault, but for not looking at that for the math. But you're probably right about about that. But I saw it on Twitter a, a day or two later, um, mm. and I was just judging it. I just felt like, although Angela Hill was was putting it on Gedalia, I just felt like mm-hmm. when Gedalia would counter strike, I felt like her strikes were more powerful. I honestly think she won the fight like in the last 45 seconds of the fight. She landed mm-hmm. a couple shots that kind of staggered Hill a little bit, or at least slowed her down from coming forward, and I feel like that that's, that's kind of what changed it, but Again, I, I feel like it would have been a perfect fight for a draw. And heck, if they mm-hmm. went in a, in a rematch, it would have been an easy one just to move on and go, hey, let's just do an instant rematch um, and go like that. But uh, like I said, I don't think the stock of either of them really dropped that much here. Uh, Hill was still a ways away. Um, I imagine she'll still get a good fight out of this. And uh, I mean, she's improving as a fighter, even with the, the loss on her record. So, you know, and, and Gadelia is kind of at a point where. Uh, it's kind of win or, or or start thinking almost retirement in a sense mm-hmm. because you're only going to climb that mountain so many times before uh, you can't climb it anymore. So that was that. But uh, then the main event, I mean, fireworks. Uh, yeah. It, between the two, you know, we picked the four fights of the, the Wednesday and the two, the co in the main event. I ended up going four and oh, so I wish I had done a parlay. Uh, I picked mm-hmm. Overeem, you picked Harris. Uh, early on, uh, I was like, almost right. Yeah. <laughs> early on, it looked like you had it. Um, and this is another yeah. fight where I feel like, uh, the glass chin thing, uh, you know, if you have a glass chin, you don't survive, uh, mm-hmm. the, the punches that Walt Harris was landing on over him. He hit him hard, dropped him, beat up on him on the ground for a while, but, uh, over him used his, uh, I mean, I would argue that he, he used his ability as a better overall mixed martial artist and somebody who really has a good ground game. Uh, that just generally hasn't had to use it much in his career as a heavyweight uh, with his with his striking prowess, but uh, he was able to to survive the the initial uh, barrage from Harris, uh, 
work him down and, and uh, get on top. And uh, once he was on top, um, he was able to do a lot of damage for the second half of the first round, uh, really control Harris. Harris was a fish out of water on the ground. Uh, it felt like he was kind of one of those old school uh, fighters that just, you know, is a big striker and, and, you know, uh, and has trouble on the ground, especially at their size moving, um, especially when you end up on your stomach uh, with, with a guy like Overeem on your back. And I think a lot of that goes to Overeem's ability to, to grapple. I mean, he's, he's done well in some of the ADCC and stuff and he did it earlier mm-hmm. in his career. And um, he's got submission wins over, over several good fighters. So um, I, I just think he, he, like I said, he was able to survive and, and show that he's a, as well-rounded of a mixed martial arts heavyweight uh, really as we've ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he, he doesn't have that UFC title, um, but he does have world titles in, in every other organization he's basically ever fought in. Um, I'd like to see him get it look like Glover. You know, I'd like to see some of these old guys before they, they fade off, get one more shot at, at something. And uh, you know, I, I don't know if he can beat some of the other guys cause he's, he does take shots and a better, more, uh, well, he's taking some bad ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean he's, he's, bad, he's, you, when you look at uh, when you look at uh, that that when he got knocked out by Francis Ngannou, who I know is uh, trend, trending on the socials these days because he wants to fight John Jones, but uh, I'm just kind of like, Oosh, like some of the no, some it, of these losses are very bad. <laughs> no, and anybody that's the, that's the life of a heavyweight striker. I mean, he's yeah. and, and uh, he doesn't have that. He never got that fear. Uh, a lot of guys when they, I mean, he's been knocked out you know, a lot of times in his career between kickboxing and 60 plus MMA fights, um, which I think is just natural when you fight that many times and you're a heavyweight puncher, but you know, like in a rematch with Ngannou, I mean, if he uses, I feel like it's one of those situations where if he somehow is able to get a clinch and get Ngannou down to the ground, I feel like that, you know, we saw what Stipe did on the ground and I know Stipe is a better wrestler than Overeem, but I'm not so sure that Stipe is a better grappler than Overeem. Uh, if Overeem got, uh, uh, Ninganu down on the ground. I I have no reason to believe that he couldn't potentially submit him or 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 beat him up enough for Ninganu's going to have a hell of a time trying to get back to his corner and come out for another round. So I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, he's like I say, he's a complete martial artist, complete fighter, um, but he does take shots. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see him beating somebody like Stipe. Uh, I don't see him beating somebody like Cormier because their wrestling would neutralize a lot of that, and those guys are still pretty precise with their strikes. Um, Ninganu, I feel like he's one of those guys where if you avoid that massive shot, um, he's beatable. But he could end up proving me wrong if he if he gets better with his ground stuff. But um, obviously, all the backstory between Walt Harris, it, it kind of made anybody, no matter who you're, you know, if you're rooting for, I was rooting for Overeem, but at the same time, it made it a little tough because you know it would have been a hell of a story to see Walt Harris get that win and and the joy it probably would have brought him and and his family and stuff. But um, I think the UFC is going to take care of him. I think he'll still get another big fight um, and he's going to hurt some people. I mean, he's going to, he's going to beat a lot of people, but um, it just wasn't, you, you know, you talk about him as he was a little bit out of shape. You know, you talk about this COVID thing. He's obviously got the COVID thing on top of um, some of the worst mm-hmm. things that any human would ever have to deal with in life um, on top of that. So uh, I'd like to see him get a, you know, a full camp of being, you know, get it back in shape, shed that, you know, what are you coming at? Like 265 or something. I mean, he, he's probably yeah. a better fighter at like 240, 242, something like that. Uh, lose some of that gut, get the speed, get his bounce back. And um, I think he still beats a, a lot of the heavyweights. Um, I just don't know if he beats the top, you know, five, six, seven of the division. Yeah. And, and like, like we know with, with fighters and the way mixed martial arts evolved, maybe that's the case now, but you know, through, through changes in camp or camp changes or, or, you know what I mean? Training methods, obviously like, like with everything going on, not everyone has access to what they're normally, normally have access to. So, you know, that's, that's probably the case now, but it won't always be the case. Could, could get better, could get worse. I mean, like, as we know in, in combat sports, anything can happen. And um, before, I mean, we got like 10 minutes left here before we close out. Uh, I know I sent you the article. And some more news came of it. Um, we've been kind of hinting at it, maybe for like a whole year, maybe most of 2019, with what's going on with the zone and the way uh, Bellator handles it, or they handle Bellator, I should say. But uh, I mean, I feel like we should talk about it because we've talked about it enough. We've talked about streaming services enough on here. Um, 
now we're starting to catch wind that uh, they could be parting ways because of the Viacom CBS merger and the connection with Showtime. The article I sent uh, to you was from Boxing Scene, the whole thing with uh, Steven Espinoza, who's a Showtime boxing. Uh, people probably know, MMA fans will know him from the whole thing with Mayweather and McGregor, but he actually said he'd be interested in doing crossover boxing and MMA events with Bellator. Uh, he said he'd like to do that with Scott Coker once the DAZN deal expires. And then uh, yesterday, uh, this, uh, it was reported that DAZN uh, wants to expand on combat sco- sports coverage if they don't continue with Bellator. And what they were looking at was uh, bare-knuckle boxing. So I know you and I have a, a lot of takes when it comes to this stuff, but, I mean, what is your take on this uh, – The uh, my take is the zone has shown more love to boxing than mixed martial arts as a whole and the way they market it and, and things like that. I mean, I, I feel like uh, they, they don't, they don't put as much energy in Bellator and they had combate Americas there for a little while. They got KSW there. Top FC, I think is there. Um, and, and no one really knows about it because they don't promote it the way they promote all the boxing. So what's your, what do you think? Well, I think that uh, there's less outlets for boxing. Um, so I think that that's more of a natural fit for a streaming service mm-hmm. for boxing fans. Uh, MMA, I mean, if you're just a casual MMA fan, you really can just watch the UFC and probably get your fill if you're an average person. Uh, that combined with just, you know, the, the event you would get on Paramount for Bellator. I mean, there was plenty of stuff. So not so much in boxing. So I think that that natural fit, I think the zone also, um, I mean, they got Canelo, they got Joshua, you know, they got two of the top five names in all of boxing under their banners. So I think that makes it a lot easier for them to promote boxing when you have names like that. Yeah. Uh, Bellator is obviously the, you know, is the number two organization in the United States. Uh, but I just don't feel like you were going to get, I don't know how many subscriptions you get to Bellator on DAZN for once they changed the price, it, it, it made me change my, my way. Um, I mean, I go to a lot of Bellator events, so it got to a point where I was like, why am I going to pay a hundred bucks to watch the three zone events that I, that I don't go to. I mean, I might mm-hmm. as well be spending a $35 pay-per-view at that point. Um, so I, I think that that was, I think that that was not a good move. I would, I think the, the nine ninety nine a month or whatever um, straight up would have probably been a, a stronger thing to keep. Um, but when you're signing guys, like I said, to Canelo and Joshua to these multi hundred million dollar deals, uh, you're going to have to make up money somewhere. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'd like to see you, I, I tell you, I just like to see Bellator on CBS. I think that there's still a big market for Bellator. Yeah. Got the stars. I think if, if Espinosa uses his brain and Coker and him can come to a deal where they can do kind of what the elite XC world did and, and what, yeah. Uh, what Strikeforce did for a while, uh, I mean, Strikeforce was uh, cursed by that that stupid brawl uh, with Mayhem and the Diaz brothers. That really kind of put the the nail in the coffin for them being on CBS at the time. But I still feel like if you put Fedor, if you and then and then you you get guys like Aaron Pico and Antonio or, uh, and AJ McKee. Well, and, yeah, I mean, Bellator cards are, yeah, they're exactly they're young fighters. I mean, people always. Talk about, you know, oh, you know, Bellator is where the old fighters, they go to, you know, close out their career. But, the I mean, uh, you, you really have to be a, a longtime fan or a hardcore fan of MMA and a, and a real hardcore fan of Bellator to see the the Patrick mixes and the AJ McKees and, and like you said, Aaron Pico and, and all, all, all the guys that are the, I mean, we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of their fighters on this podcast that, uh, that are younger and, and, up and coming, Chris Lencioni. I've interviewed for Sure Dog. We've had uh, his teammate Jake Smith on here, who just came back to fight and he competed at, at, at Submission Underground just recently. So I think um, if they if they do start working more with the because they already have the CBS Sports thing for the for the old fights that uh, MMA recharged. Have you seen that? I don't know if you know yeah, that. Yeah, no, they're doing that kind of stuff. I just yeah. feel like that there's the UFC or the, the UFC has a, a huge market share on stuff, especially with being 
essentially owned now by ESPN. So mm-hmm. ESPN can really ignore Bellator when Bellator is on Paramount, um, can ignore Bellator when Bellator is on DAZN. If Bellator, let's say, you know, the Masters tournament uh, for golf starts in later this year, like in November. Let's say they do something to make up because it normally is in April. Now we do it in November. And all of a sudden, November on a Saturday, they have round three of the Masters. And as the Masters tournament is ending, uh, there's a Bellator event on CBS. I don't think that that's something that ESPN can ignore. All of a sudden, you're on one of the biggest platforms worldwide. And I feel like at that point, you start to have to get talked about on the sports radio uh, talk shows mm-hmm. um, highlights have to start to be shown because at that point, if they don't, then, then ESPN and uh, Fox sports news or whatever is still out there. They're, they're really neglecting things happening in the sports world that millions and millions of people are watching, not just, you know, 400, 500,000 on, on Paramount, uh, you know, on, on a, on a cable channel. So I feel like that that's really the breakthrough that you get. Cause I mean, I remember, the ESPN radio talking about strike force talking about elite XC um, obviously Kimbo and some of those guys, you know, fed into that because those guys were uh, almost crossover stars uh, in spite of never really crossing over into anything. Just, they were just known for basically from YouTube and such. But um, I feel like that that's the move is, is somehow get it where you can feed off of other, you know, mainstream big sports. And if you can follow that up, um, with a Bellator event on like a Saturday night, like I said, after the Masters or after a, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what else CBS really carries for their for their sports package. Maybe a college football game or something, and then all of a sudden you feed into, you know, you get Alabama Florida football game, and that feeds into uh, a Bellator event on a Saturday night or something. It just seems to me like that's a a, a win win situation and yeah. Uh, what what Bellator really needs if they're going to try to make make the next step and make the deal with CBS uh, really really pay off? Yeah, I mean, uh, and uh, like you said, you brought up Elite XC. I mean, if we look at the days when Strike Force was in Showtime, things like that, those were those were not bad times. I mean, it was just weird. It was weird when they ended, and I, I think it was missed when it was gone. So there's definitely some sense of nostalgia brewing in the air too that I think will bring can bring back a lot of older fans. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I just wanted, I know uh, we had kind of messaged each other about it uh, during these last few fights in Jacksonville. So I thought it bared mentioning on here because it's definitely something we've been watching since, uh, since the zone, you know, and Bellator had started their relationship. No, it's going to definitely be a big move. I mean, whatever, however it unfolds, uh, whether the zone keeps them and, and cashes that or brings in a bunch of money and, Somehow, I mean, I don't know how necessarily it would unfold, but um, it, it, the eventually we're going to see Bellator probably on strike or on a show, Showtime, and and, and <laughs> hopefully they're able to work it into uh, CBS because I think Showtime still keeps you away from uh, a large portion of the of the viewing audience. But mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, next week we'll be able to get a preview show. It looks like we're going to get uh, Woodley uh, Gilbert Burns on the thirtieth. Um, and then it looks like UFC is racking up events, lining up uh, for every weekend in June. Yeah. Uh, so that that looks like it'll be exciting. June uh, might be Fight Island month, right? <laughs> yeah, who knows? I just hope that they get settled somewhere and don't move. I don't understand why they even left Florida, to be honest. But uh, Nevada's opening stuff up a little bit, so uh, they're kind of back home. It's more of a uh, regionalized area for them uh, to be yeah. people. Yeah, in, I think. yeah. I think the apex. If, I mean, you have the apex. You talked so much about it when it was built. If you, if you once you can be home, do it from home until till you know we we can get back to normal. But I mean, I think it'll be dope too in the apex. It's supposed to be this techno technological media marvel for fights. Then let you know it's time to 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 see what you got, right? I'm down for it. Let's see where we get. But um, until we talk next week, fans can follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter, Coast to Coast Combat Hour on Instagram. Follow me at MMA Hawk 21 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Ed at Carbizal on Twitter, at Carbeerzal on Instagram. And for those of you that cannot get enough of Ed Carbajal, uh, <laughs> he now has a Twitter or a Twitch, a Twitch <laughs> station, uh, old, old Head Carb. Uh, <laughs> So if you want to watch him uh, play some video games and uh, I imagine do some online chatting, uh, old head yeah. carb on, on Twitch. Yeah, I'm playing uh, the Division 2. 
which is about getting the country back together after a pandemic. <laughs> so. Well, there it is. Tune in, <laughs> folks. If you like, I said you can't get enough of, of Ed here. So, uh, all right. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and uh, look forward to uh, previewing uh, Woodley versus Burns next week. Yes, sir. Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions and in some the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, maybe uh bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.